Thanks, Daniel. As usual, it's just a great thing for us to come up here and uh, arise. We we love coming here. We feel so at home, and um, and you know, and just the 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 atmosphere in this place is very similar to where we are down at Seacoast Church. Atmosphere of faith. You know, I just love everything that Daniel was saying this morning, talking about Jesus and. And, uh, and so I've got, a, I've got a, a pretty solid word for you this morning. Um, you know, I'm not like Alan. I don't have jokes. I've, I've tried jokes and they just don't work. So um, I just love getting straight into the word of God. And uh, it's gonna, you'll find it'll flow beautifully with what um, Daniel was already saying. I just wanted to quickly say that, f- that little um, picture when Bevan put that up about with the matchsticks... You know, my first... It was a fantastic message, actually. Fantastic message. Um, but what I saw was, you know, with that match... Yeah, there it is. The match pulled out. I saw these. I thought this is what Bevan was going to say. I thought, all these guys are on fire for God. <laughs> They're all on fire for God. And, and, um, and, but when we remove ourselves from being together in fellowship, being around others... When we remove ourselves, it not only affects us, it affects others. And, I, and so I just saw that in it as well. But Bevan, that does awesome, awesome message. I love that. Anyway, Venice and I, have, uh, we've just come back from three weeks holiday. Um, well, actually, we've been back to Seacoast for one week. Um, and it's, it's been a really unusual few weeks uh, because in the middle of it, um, I've had a funeral, a wedding, and a really important meeting with the Ballina ministers in the middle of my holidays. Now, normally, I'm, I'm a strong advocate for setting boundaries uh, around my life, around my time, um, and, uh, but, and especially around our holidays. And the wedding was planned, of course. We knew we had a wedding, uh, which was fine. The funeral obviously wasn't planned, and neither was the meeting. And both, but in the end, both the funeral and the wedding uh, were incredibly special in their own way. Uh, the man who passed away was a man who was so loved by everyone at Seacoast Church. But we were jolted back into ministry mode right in the midst of our break. You know, it's a funny thing, the role of a pastor, and that would have to be the understatement of the year. <clears throat> um, but the reality of walking with people that you care about through some of the most joyous times in their life, but also some of the most saddest and difficult times. Um, That's just how it is. And it is an incredible privilege. But God had already been preparing me, I think, and um, actually preparing us as a a church. I believe this word is for all of us. That regardless of whatever else is going on, whether it's holiday or no holiday, whatever season of life we're in, no matter what circumstances we're going through, the bottom line is that what Paul said in Philippians 1.21 should always be our default position. And there are just four simple words. Uh, the words I'm referring to are, to live is Christ. To live is Christ. Because living in Christ and living for Christ means to be living with full access to the very presence of God. Living under, ooh, living under a covenant uh, of incredible, amazing grace, of complete freedom to be who we always were created to be, sons and daughters of God. 
filled with all his fullness, empowered and anointed by the Holy Spirit. So to really live is Christ. The Old Testament crew, you know, they, they would have stood in awe of the fact that there would be people on the other side of the cross um, who would have unlimited, unhindered, unrestricted access to our Heavenly Father, Father's presence and love. This morning I really do want to encourage you with the truth of what it means to be in Christ and to reinforce the reality of your foundations in life, that they are rock solid. You can remain steadfast and strong when you know who and whose you are. And if, if we ever find ourselves wavering, if we ever you know, are feeling overwhelmed and with life itself, struggling to try and make sense of our circumstances, there is nothing better than we can, that we can do than to come running back to the cross. And I loved it this morning that, you know, it's, I'm obviously in the right place with the right message this morning because so much of this morning has already been about Jesus, about our salvation, about, about um, what the cross really means. The moment Jesus paid the price for our sins by dying in our place on the cross of Calvary, some amazing things happened in the natural realm that were symbolic of what was also going on in the spiritual realm. Everything changed. The cross was the moment that a cataclysmic shift happened in all of creation. It shifted mankind's, mankind's position for eternity. And this morning I believe that God is wanting us to bring a steadfastness and, and a strength to our lives, a stability. In fact, as I'll share with you in a moment, we need to know that our lives are anchored into something so much bigger and more powerful than we could ever imagine. At the moment Jesus died, there was an earthquake with rocks splitting in two and the power of God was unleashed on the earth. There were dead people coming up out of the graves, dead people rising to life and they were, they were, they were wandering into the city and you know everyone where everyone was and, and, and they, you know, just imagine, I mean, Hollywood blockbusters have got nothing <laughs> on this story and nothing on, you know, much of what the Bible says. And this is the reality. One of the most significant things that happened was the huge thick veil, the curtain that separated the people from the presence of God. It was, it was torn in two from top to bottom. And can you imagine this, this heavy curtain? You know, we talk about a veil, but this was a heavy curtain um, made of blue and purple and scarlet yarn all twisted and, and sewn together. And supernaturally, it was ripped from the top to the bottom. It was nine metres high. It was about nine centimetres thick. And it was a veil that blocked out the Ark of the Covenant where the presence of God dwelt. And it was hung up... Um, this curtain was hung up on, on, with golden hooks on, on acacia wood that was also covered in and overlaid in gold. And even when the Ark of the Covenant was being moved, you know, transported from one place to another, uh, we, it would have this heavy curtain placed over the top of it so that you know, it would continually maintain that separation to keep the most holy of holies out of sight and distinctly separated from anything tainted and profane. Only the high priest could ever go behind the veil once a year to atone for the, the sins of the people and he would take in the blood of animals and sprinkle it um, on the mercy seat. 
And even then he had to be ceremonially clean and, and, and always you know, took the risk of being struck dead if things weren't quite right. He'd even have a rope attached to his leg so that if, um, if he did actually fall dead in the presence of God for whatever reason, then they could, they could pull him out without anyone else having to go in there. And I'm so glad that things have changed. <laughs> I'm not sure if I'm the, the kind of pastor who could cope with that pressure. Um, and, and I'm not a real great fan of blood either. In Leviticus 16.2 it says, And the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron, your brother, not to come in, uh, not to come at just any time into the holy place inside the veil, before the mercy seat which is on the ark, lest he die. For I will appear in the cloud above the mercy seat. And the Message Bible says, Tell Aaron not to come barging inside the temple whenever he feels like it. So there was a, 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 very, a great sense of fear and dread, as well as a sense of awe uh, about going in behind the veil. Here's the thing. The death of Jesus caused this veil to be torn into two, which was symbolic of the ending of the old covenant and the beginning of the new covenant. Which was the, which, which, and in that moment, the, that new covenant was established between God and man. And Jesus made a way for the sins of men and women to be forgiven. There was no longer to be a separation. Jesus, in one moment, opened up the way for us to come boldly and completely into the Father's arms. All this that I'm sharing with you, I know many of you have heard it before. Uh, this is preparation, actually, for my main point, um, which is about three quarters of the way through the message. <laughs> the veil was torn beyond repair. Never again, never again would God's presence be excluded from the hearts of men and women. And while all this is happening, the earthquakes, the dead rising, the veil being torn, the greatest of revelations came to those who were standing by. These were the actual perpetrators of Jesus' death. And in Matthew 27, 54, it says, So when the centurion and those with him who were, gather who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and the things that had happened, they feared greatly, saying, Truly, this was the Son of God. Imagine that moment for them. And I believe there is a message here for us this morning that it is possible for even the most antichrist, opposed, worldly, hardened of hearts to have a revelation of Jesus as the Son of God. The presence of God is no longer hidden. There are no barriers there are no heavy, heavy veils. He is just a heart's cry away from any of us. Just a divine revelation away from any of our unsaved loved ones, our neighbours, our friends. This gospel truth was established at the cross and then later at the resurrection. Um, it's the gospel that has the power to save. In Hebrews 7.25 it says, Therefore he is also able to save to the uttermost, those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. I feel that we need to have, continue to hold a vision for our loved ones, our friends, our neighbours, to not just have their ears tickled by the truth, but actually to be saved to the uttermost, to be saved completely. And that the spectacular shift that took place in the heavens and the earth over 2,000 years ago, would spectacularly impact those around us who are yet to have the revelation of who he is. Jesus is interceding for them continually. 
And we need to stand in faith with him. And I love what it says in Hebrews 9 about all of this. In the Passion Translation, it says, For the Messiah did not enter into the earthly tabernacle made by men, but he, but was, which was but an echo of the true sanctuary. But he entered into heaven itself to appear before the face of God in our place. This all happened at the cross, at the death of Christ. And, that is res- and, and then it goes on, the story, of course, in, in the, um, with the resurrection. You see, the tabernacle was a symbolic place on earth of the true sanctuary where God dwelt in heaven. And we as mankind were not only separated from God's presence on earth, we were separated from his presence in heaven. And this is the really exciting part, and I hope that I'm not sounding too intense this morning, but but all of this leads to this. Earlier on in Hebrews 6, it speaks about the hope that what we have in the promises of God and the strength and comfort and, and power that that brings us. And in Hebrews 6.19, it says, We have this certain hope like a strong, unbreakable anchor holding our souls to God himself. Our anchor of hope is fastened to the mercy seat, which sits in the heavenly realm beyond the sacred threshold and where Jesus, our forerunner, has gone in before us. I believe God is saying to us that the true mercy seat in heaven, where Jesus sprinkled his own own blood to pay the price for our sin, is where we are anchored to. We are anchored to the mercy seat. We are anchored to the presence of God. We are anchored to our salvation by the blood of Jesus Christ. And the mercy seat of God. And if you're a visual person, like I am, you might see this anchor, as I do. Um, I, what I see is a, an anchor shaped like a, a ship's anchor, you know, like the olden, old-time kind of sh- anchors. Um, but with one side of the anchor stuck in the mercy seat in heaven. It's permanently and securely locked in place. And this is described as the anchor of our soul. So the other end of the chain is firmly attached to our soul. Through Jesus, our soul is connected directly to heaven. This is the, this is the picture I see. This is what brings me such confidence and security, knowing that I am permanently anchored into the mercy of God. Isn't it a beautiful picture? You know, I've been preaching for nearly 20 years. I've been a Christian for a lot longer than that. And I have never seen this. this, is, this to me, this is like a revelation of my security in Christ. This is described as the anchor of our soul. So not only did Jesus physically remove the the, the separating veil in the tabernacle on earth, he removed all separation between us and the presence of God in heaven. And this anchor is now anchored with such strength that nothing can dislodge it. Are you all still with me? Can you see the picture? Actually, I, I preached a version of this message at Seacoast Church probably um, over a month ago before we went on holidays. And there was a lady... 
in the service and she came up to me afterwards and she said, she's, a, she's an artist, and she said, I'm going, she lived in Sydney, she said, I'm going back home to paint that picture. And so she did, and uh, she emailed me um, a photo, a, a, cop, a photograph of, the, of that picture, of the anchor firmly stuck into the mercy seat in heaven. It was beautiful. There is an unbreakable connection, a connecting chain, not literally, of course, but spiritually, that connects us with God in heaven. Heaven has been opened, to up, opened up to us like the veil was removed and the Holy of, Ho Holy of Holies opened up to us. We are anchored there. We are secured by heaven itself. And I know I'm reinforcing this and I'm saying it in a number of different ways, but I believe that there are people here this morning and God is just wanting that to be locked in to the foundations of your life, that you are secure in his mercy. We are anchored into the very place where Jesus is. We are anchored into the place where all of those of our loved ones who, ha who were in Christ are also residing. There's a chain that with a solid, secure anchor holding us steadfast. Nothing can now separate us. And if you have been wavering or doubting or if you've been in confusion or thinking that you are un unworthy or disqualified, then listen to this, Romans 8.35. It says, Who could ever separate us from the endless love of God's anointed one? Absolutely no one. For nothing in the universe has the power to diminish his love towards us. Troubles, pressures and problems are unable to come between us and heaven's love. What about persecutions, deprivations, dangers and, the, and death threats? No, for they are all impotent to hinder omnipotent love. Our place of belonging and security in God's presence has come about because Jesus experienced an abandonment from his Father that should have been ours. His Father could not look upon the sin of mankind, which Jesus took upon himself. And so for that moment on the cross... Jesus knew what true separation and abandonment was and he did it for us. He did it so that we could know what it means to never be separated from the love of God. Never, ever. Nothing has the power to keep us from him, from all his powerful presence and love. All we have to do is hold on. Hold fast to that anchor that's secured in heaven. And in Hebrews 3.14, and this, this is in the Amplified Version, it says, For we believers have become partakers of Christ, sharing in all that the Messiah has for us. If only we hold firm our newborn confidence, which originally led us to him until the end. Church, sometimes it seems like we just have to hold on firm to the end, and I know, you know, we've probably all been there. It's like I'm just hanging on by a thread. I'm holding on for dear life. But Jesus wants so much more for us than that. It's not about holding on for dear life. It's about holding on with confidence and security 
and assurance while we live out this calling and, and purpose for our lives right here, right now. We're all we're already connected to heaven. And the truth is, this life that we live is not about us. It's about living for him. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. That's how close we have become to Jesus. This life is actually his. Philippians 3.12 says, Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. It's not all about us holding on for dear life. Jesus has also laid hold of us. But he has laid hold of us for this life as well as for the one to come. What has he laid hold of your life for? Why has he positioned you here in the 21st century, in the nation of Australia, as part of a rise church? And most importantly, on this side of the cross. You might not have already attained everything that you are meant to accomplish. You may not already be perfected. But we are meant to press on and to lay hold of life. I'll tell you another funny thing that, that, has, that happened recently. Every now and then when I'm preparing you know, my message, um, Vanessa will be close by reading, doing devotions, whatever. And, um, and um, she'll, every now and again she'll just come out with some gem of wisdom. Something that she's reading, she'll just share it with me. And so at this point in my message, right, right now, in this point of my message, um, in my preparation, Venice looks across to me and says, just have a listen to what Smith Wigglesworth is saying this morning. And uh, he just happened to be saying this. By the way, Smith Wigglesworth is dead. Um, But he's still speaking loud and clear through his written words. So Smith Wigglesworth says this at this moment in my message. I have been face to face with some of the most trying moments of men's lives. Times when it made all the difference if I kept the vision and held fast to what God has said. A man must have immovable faith and the voice of God must mean more to him than what he sees feels, or what people say. He must have an originality born in heaven. Are you reading that up there? Oh, good on you, Luke. He must have an originality born in heaven, transmitted or expressed in some way. He must bring heaven to earth. So I'm just staring at her with my mouth on the floor. um, And in my mind, I'm thinking, yes. We can bring heaven to earth because we are anchored there. We're connected there because of Jesus. But how did Smith Wigglesworth know that that's what I was preaching? But then he goes on to say, God has never put anything up on a pole where we cannot reach it. He has brought his plan down to man. And if we are prepared, oh what there is for us. 
There are yet heights and depths and lengths and breadths of the knowledge of God stored up for us. You know what? I think Smith Wigglesworth is an absolute legend. He scares the heck out of me when you read some of his stories. But things like this are treasures. Proverbs 29.18 says, When there is no clear prophetic vision, people quickly wander astray. But when you follow the revelation of the word, heaven's bliss fills your soul. Actually, after I, uh, this message, um, putting this message together, God has led me then more into how close we are to heaven. This is another message altogether, but I just wanted to share this quickly. We are so close to heaven. We are linked, connected. We are anchored in a, in a heavenly place with Christ Jesus. Heaven is not, you know, on some distant galaxy or planet. Heaven is another realm. We live in a natural realm, but heaven has its own realm. And it's close. It's so close. And so your prayers, your heart cries, they, just, they have to just go like from here to here. And they're heard. When we... You know, I had this gentleman, Barry, his name was. Barry passed away a couple of weeks ago while we were on holidays. Um, it was so comforting that God was speaking this to us. And, and it's like, you know, he's not, that, he's not that far away. He's in heaven with Jesus and he's not far away at all. And it's a comforting thing. And I'm not, you know, we don't talk to the dead. We don't, you know, we don't do any of that stuff. But it's comforting to know that, that, that the heavenly realm where Jesus is, where our loved ones are, is so close. Anyway, that's another message. <clears throat> Smith Wigglesworth says, we have, we have to have an originality about our lives that is born in heaven and we need to bring heaven to earth. After all, we are only pilgrims wandering through this world. We don't belong here, not the way it is. Not with the death and destruction and an ever-spiralling decline in righteousness and in the love of God and love for his word. But to live is Christ. To live is to have our soul anchored in heaven, anchored into the mercy of God. And it's knowing that the anchor will never fail it's permanently secure. You know, we can hold fast because Christ has laid hold of us. He has fastened himself to us. Nothing can separate us. Not death, the threat of death, persecution, sickness and disease, false accusations, nothing. You know, I don't know what it's been, what's been happening in your lives lately but it seems that God is in the business of bringing stuff to the surface right now it's like whatever has been hidden whatever has been holding us back God is saying it's time to bring healing and resolution to those things and what appears to be messy is actually God at work in the hearts of men and women cleansing and purifying the messiness is causing us it should cause us 
to run into the presence of God, which we can do freely and boldly because the veil has been torn into both on earth and in heaven. He has saved us to the uttermost. He can't do any more to save us. His blood was shed for us once and for all. And Jesus lives and intercedes for all of mankind, providing grace and mercy for all who will come. So take hold of this word, not only for yourself, but for those that you love, who are yet to discover Jesus Christ as their saviour. Don't let anything separate you from the love of God. Hold on and be held. You are anchored permanently in Christ's mercy. To live is Christ. I feel like that's my new vision statement for my life. To live is Christ. So if I'm on holidays and someone I love dies and I need to come back and do the funeral, what a privilege, what a blessing. Whatever we're doing, whatever circumstances of life we're going through, we just need to have that default position always to live is Christ. My life is his. Let him live through me. Amen. Let's just pray. Father, we are so grateful for your presence in this place this morning. I pray, Lord God, that the words that have been spoken, Lord, that you would carry them by the power of your spirit to our own heart, our soul, our spirit, Lord God. That you would minister life, that you would minister faith to us that we would go from this place this morning with that revelation that we are securely anchored into the mercy of God. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. And Lord, that as we hold on, we're not holding on for dear life, we're holding on because we know that we are confident in our place with you. We are secure. We are assured that we will forever be held by you. Lord, help, help us to, you know, when we, when we do face trials, when we do face the difficult times, that we don't waver, or when, if we do start to waver, if we do start to doubt, if we do start to imagine things that, that really are nothing to do with you, Lord, I pray that you would bring us back, reveal that, that picture, reveal that vision, before us of our soul being attached to a, a, and the anchor which is stuck right into the middle of the mercy seat. We are so grateful, Lord. I pray, Lord, for your blessing, your favour, your, your, the life of the Spirit upon this group of people here this morning. Lord, let us, let, our heart, let us go away with something that has shifted on the inside, something that has changed forever, that we would be strengthened, we would walk steadfast, stable, secure in this ever-changing world we're in. We give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, thank you.